morning, everybody. Hey, we're going to be turning, uh, like Brother Rich said, he read the verses that we're going to be looking at. Turn to 1 John chapter 1. Uh, we're going to be looking at 5 through 10. And this is where uh, the uh, beloved Apostle John, I mean, the, the, this, this, this Apostle John writes this letter to his spiritual brothers and sisters to help them in their walk with God. He wants them to be grounded in the assurance of their salvation, experiencing victory over sin and the full joys of fellowship and Christian life. He reminds them that these gems can be dimmed or even lost by false teaching. So he reminds the reader of of his letter, which includes us these thousands of years later, that belief should be based on the facts about Christ's incarnation, and every believer has a responsibility to walk like Christ. As we walk through our study of this letter, it's, it's good to be re- reminded that if John thinks it's important, he will repeat it. John wants us to know, K-N-O-W, 38 times this word is used in this letter. He wants us to enjoy fellowship. Four times this is used in this letter. With God of light. He uses the word light six times. The word love, 33 times in this short letter. And the word life, 15 times. These words should stand out to all of us in this letter. And especially as we are going through this study from our Bible hours as we continue to to open and to discuss and to read this letter. The words light and fellowship, two of these words are mentioned in my six verses that I'll be going through here this morning. Join me in just a quick little word of prayer as well and ask the Lord's blessing on our reading. Father God, we thank you for the goodness of your word coming to life in us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for going to the cross and dying for us. And we pray as Christians that are united in the faith and gathering together in sweet fellowship here this morning, we'll be blessed by the thoughts that are shared from your beloved apostle, John, who writes these words for us by the Holy Spirit giving them to us. We ask for your blessing upon this time. In Jesus' name, I pray. Well, you stumble into a dark room. You stumble into a dark room. Now imagine that it's totally dark in here. And there's not really a car honking out there. Hopefully it's not mine. But uh, now imagine in the totally dark room that you're unable to find the light switch. All right, who's checking their cars? Yeah, oh, there goes three. All right, we got it. All right, good, good. But, all right, you're unable to find the light switch. Fortunately, we have light switches. But finally, in desperation, you pull out your cell phone, and you quick swish your finger across the screen, and you and you find your flashlight. There it is, and I can... Yeah, and, and, and now you look for the light switch in that dark room. And light on your phone gives you a source of new light so that you can find more light. It takes light to find light. 
All right? Psalm 36, 9 declares, For the fountain of life is with you. In your light we see light. Light is defined as the natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. You know, besides the references to the physical light, uh, distinctly has, like with the sun or the stars and the moons that give us our, our natural light, the term is mainly used in Scripture in a moral, uh, a moral sense. And just as natural light brings vigor and health to the body, so the light of God gives cheerfulness and strength to our souls. It's a blessing to read John's letter that brings forth and tells us very bluntly, and then starting off in my verse 5, God is light. And Lord Jesus came to the earth as the true light, and he not only exposed all the evil in the world and all the false pretensions of the leaders of Israel of the day, John writes in his gospel, in the gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 4, it says, In him, which is Jesus Christ, in him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. In that light we see light just as natural light reveals things in their true form. So the light of God enables us to form correct estimates of spiritual things. And not only of spiritual things, but of the world around us. And of others. And, quite frankly, light exposes things of ourselves. Christians are the light in the Lord. And here in this letter, written by, by John, Christians are exhorted, exhorted to walk as children of the light. Yesterday in Madeira, in a trailer park laundry room, yeah, so a trailer park laundry room, Joe shared from the scriptures the Genesis story of the beginning of time to a number of kids that we had gathered together with CEF. Joe said when God separated the light from darkness to those nine kids that were with us, he told them the Garden of Eden was made in heavenly light. God walked walked within his creation and there was no darkness. Joe explained that in heaven there is no darkness today. Yet there is darkness where the souls of men and women are who die in their sin and who never accept the light that Jesus brings to save sinners from that darkness of death. How did you, how did you discover the light of the gospel? The good news of sins forgiven in Jesus Christ. How did you discover that light? Probably it involved an encounter with someone. <laughs> someone who had previously had already found the light and was sharing the good news of the light and life of Jesus Christ. A family member, like a parent or a grandparent, a Sunday school teacher, a classmate. Each of these can become a source of light leading you to the light of the world 
Jesus Christ. I've shared from this pulpit of my past testimony. And the first thing I remember, what came to life in me, was I, I remember the light that was shining in the eyes of the one who was sharing the gospel with me. And when that was over with, I remember on my knees saying, Lord, I want that light. I want to know Jesus Christ. Looking up just the word L-I-G-H-T in Strong's, I still have that. I don't know if anybody ever uses it. We have the internet these days. But Strong's Exhaustive Concordance of the Bible. It's about four or five inches thick, big book. Small print, man. I have a tough time with my, with my eyes. But looking up in the concordance, it could be, it could be found, the word L-I-G-H-T could be found in at least 47 books I counted in the Bible. More if you added S. <laughs> you had lights. Many more. Uh, if you, and it goes on. If you added lightened, lighted, uh, those type of things would add much, would add more and more of the book. So the word light is in all throughout scripture. God gave us his son Jesus and he says of himself, Jesus says of himself in John 8 verse 12, I am the light of the world. Jesus speaking. And when Christians dwell together in unity, like it says in Psalm 133, how precious is when that light glows. A terrific glow is produced that nothing can imitate, like moths attracted to a campfire. They just keep coming. They just keep coming. Others will become curious about what it is to know the Lord Jesus because of the light that exists in the light of Christians. Who are to reflect light. Who are to be the light. As Jesus was the light of the world. Our visitor last week, David. I don't know if any of you remember. He was from out of town. Him and his daughter were here from last week. He spoke to me of the blessing he received. And in seeing the love of the brethren here in the assembly. In the fellowship right here. I thanked him for his comments. If you remember last week, we were encouraged by the fact that we stand on a gospel that is rock solid. John says in verse 3 of this letter, What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you. John walked with Jesus all the time Jesus was going through his ministry. Here, before his death, and even afterwards, John was in his presence. John understands, as he writes this letter as at an older age, he understands that not everyone walks according to the gospel of Christ. Spiritually speaking, it is never okay to ignore warning signs. To ignore warning signs and to walk away from God. John understands this, and that's why... He so passionately proclaims in the first four verses of this letter that the gospel is rock solid. I'm a witness to the fact of it. To the fact of Jesus Christ. 
who is the foundation for everything that we stand for as a Christian. So here in our passage, at verse 5, John says, This is the message we have heard from him and announce to you. This is the message John received directly from God the Son. This is different than the message of the day back then when the Christian community was faced and had listened to the Gnostic heresy messages where they were even being taught that Christ was not fully God. Our verse continues. John here says, God is light. He referred, he heard this straight from the mouth of Jesus. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, to be next to Jesus and walking and ministering with him, and now at an older age, writing this letter by the Holy Spirit, saved and penned for us to read here out loud this morning. What a blessing is ours, this letter from John. Jesus brings new life, and by the new birth we are able to see light. And, as we are instructed to be light ourselves, as those that follow Jesus. Jesus transforms us from darkness into light and to be light. The Bible says we must be born again. And by doing so, we have the light of Christ given to us from God the Father in giving us His Son who went to the cross and died for our sin that, in another word, is darkness that separated us from the light of God. John takes us through this topic and he's bringing out the purity of God. He wants to be really sure that his listeners or his Readers understand this, that God's purity is not partial. It is not haphazard and is not accidental. In Him is no darkness at all. The contrast between light and darkness is expressed here as strongly as possible. What's more, it's important to notice that God is not a light, He is light. Of all the statements of God's essence, none is more comprehensive than light. There is no darkness with Him. What do John's words mean to us today? For some of you younger ones and older ones here, they mean that you must immediately tear down the false God that you've allowed in the corners of your life. This was something Rich prayed with me on before we started here this morning. He didn't know where I was going on this, but I... We sometimes have false gods. A false god that doesn't care about what we look at on the Internet. The god that doesn't mind that our friends swear and tell dirty jokes. The God that is okay with our thoughts, our thought life 
being perverted. The God that is cool with our judgment and critical attitudes. That God has got to go. The God who is central to the writings of this epistle is a God where purity is certain. And it's, it's absolute. Until we understand that we can end up just like the people that John was writing to. And how he was burdened about to get this word out. To correct the false teaching of the Gnostics. You can so easily end up walking away from God with these thoughts. And you're letting these things happen in your lives. Here is our problem. People do walk away from God. And here is our command, because Christ has provided salvation, you must walk in the light. In order to avoid walking away from God, and in order to walk in the light, we must first understand how God is so pure. And we must also be drawn to the second line of thinking, you must recognize your danger. Light exposes the danger you may be in, even with our thought life. Often we don't think that it's too big of a deal if we spend a bit of time walking away from the light of God's presence. I say that humbly because I find myself doing that at times. Perhaps not taking steps into a sinful direction. John goes to great pains in order to make it abundantly clear that this is not the case. There is immediate and grave danger when I turn maybe from looking straight on to God and following and walking in the light that Christ has given me to walk in. If I take a step to the left or I take a step to the right, Sometimes I'm walking away from God and it's not right, but he writes this letter to remind Christians and to remind us today that we need to be right. God is holy. He is pure. And we need to walk in that holiness as well. Verse 6 through 10, through the end of this chapter, there represents in these verses a series of five Five conditionals, if then, can I quote that, if then, statements. In the original language, the point is this. If the first part of the statement is true about you, then the second part of the statement is logically follows. If then. Three of these statements, as we look into this short passage, in verse 6, 8 and 10 warn us some very specific and intense danger that surrounds those who walk away from God. These are specific claims that were made by the heretics, the Gnostic teachers of the day. John stands utterly opposed to each one of them, and so should you and I. The first danger is Unveiled in verse 6. 
Let me read it. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. General salvation is shown in a radical lifestyle change. Now, that's not always the case because last Monday at Bible study fellowship on Monday night, I heard one of my one of the men in my study said, I was saved at five years old. Not a lot of radical change in one's life when they're five years old. But they they learn right from wrong. But his life went on. He wanted to work hard. He married a Christian woman. He wanted to do he wanted to do uh, everything he can to have a good life and a good home. He he worked hard. In fact, he he overworked. He was neglecting his wife and family, thinking he was doing a wonderful thing for them by providing well for their family. It was at that time when the light turned on in his life and said, I need to walk right with the Lord first. And the family and my daughters will be blessed by that, much more so than my working so hard for the worldly possessions I thought we needed. It seems to me that the Apostle John here is writing to people who are not walking in the light of God and are influenced by the false teachers in their day. John seeks to encourage the Christian community to live to live a kind of life consistent with fellowship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Just as we hope this letter will encourage all of us today. No one who claims Christianity and yet constantly walks in the darkness, these three words I hesitate, but no one who claims these things, are they... I'll place it as a question. Are they really saved? In my notes I wrote, (laughs) no one who claims Christianity and that walks consistently in the darkness, they're not saved. That's between them and God. But where's the testimony that is given to us as fellow Christians? Mine was a radical change. (laughs) At 19 years old, you can imagine, I was 16, 17, 18. Living the life of the world. Had a young man, barely knew anything. Just glad to get out of high school. Three days after high school, moved to 250 miles away, living in the big city, Minneapolis. Oh, I was on my own. Well... Anyway, it was a radical change when I accepted Jesus Christ and was born again. I said, Lord, I want to live in the light. Help me change. And, and it did. One of them, I told from the pulpit, one of the radical changes in my life was the swear words. I was one who swore all the time. I didn't reel it. I didn't hear it myself saying bad words until somebody pointed it out to me. And then as I was born again, God took every swear word away from me. I cannot recall saying a single swear word for 30, 40, 50 years now. I thank God for that change. But then in verse 8, let's look at verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
the heretics at this time believed that sin was a matter of the flesh. And it no longer mattered. Notice the progression that takes place from 6 into 8. It's prouder. It is prouder to actually say that you have no sin than it is to just ignore the sin like we had in verse 6. Whenever the denial of sin occurs, the denial of responsibility of actions follow. Whenever sin is denied, truth as an inner principle of life ceases to exist in us. As I look out into this room in front of me this morning, could it be that I'm looking into the eyes of someone fooling themselves? You know that you do wrong, but yet deny that there are any real consequences for your sin? I've been there. All I did was deceive myself and the truth was not in me. Perhaps that is the way right now with you. Are you walking away from God? You are not walking in the light because you have fallen to the danger of deception, thinking that uh, this sin doesn't matter. Let's read verse 10. Verse 10, the last verse in this chapter. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. At first glimpse, this verse looks nearly identical to verse 8. But notice the progression continues. Verse 6, ignoring sin. Verse 8, denying the effects of sin. And in verse 10, it's not actually sin. Now, since we understand that the Bible makes our sinful nature very clear, We can understand the awful nature of what these heretics, the Gnostics, claimed with teaching things like, and I quote, the Christ was divine which came upon him at his baptism and left before his death, perhaps in the Garden of Gethsemane. And according to them, they say also, quote, Jesus did die, but the Christ did not die. John knew that these teachers were influencing Christians all over the land at the time. They were influencing so many. And they were not really Christians themselves. These false teachers. I go back. Now let's read verse 7. Let's read verse 7. Just the first part. But if we walk in the light... As he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. You would think that John would emphasize the fellowship that we must have with God when we walk in the light. But he chooses to do something different here. Here's the point. You cannot have fellowship with other Christians without walking in the light. And there is no real fellowship with God that is not expressed in the fellowship that is not expressed in the fellowship with Christians. Thank God for leading us here to have such fellowship with one another. We could choose to go anywhere we want on Sunday mornings, but you, all of us, have chosen to be here because of the Christian fellowship and the light of Christ. 
shines brightly. Hmm. But here he chooses these things that are different, that our fellowship is with God and to walk in the light of God, but our fellowship is in the light of walking with fellow Christians. Thank God for leading us in this way. Those who claim to know Jesus but walk away from him are left in the dark. Those who know him and walk with him are rewarded, rewarded with like fellowship with his true believers. This happens only as you walk in the light. Let's read the rest of verse 7. Let me read that from the beginning. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. After warning the believers of the dangerous teachings of the heretics, claiming fellowship while walking in another direction, John offers the truth that gives hope. Literally. As we remember the Lord Jesus around the table with sweet Christian fellowship, all of like mind, otherwise we wouldn't be here, but we take part in the remembrance of the breaking of the bread as Jesus taught us to do, and the taking part of the cup as he instructed and said, do this in remembrance of me. We always have that hope that the Lord Jesus in our fellowship, we'll continue to expose the light of God. And the light in one another radiates and gives glory back to the Father in heaven based on our sweet fellowship that we as true Christians enjoy. Where God erases the stain of sin by the grace of His Son, Jesus Christ. What a privilege is ours then to be counted as a Christian. And we read now in verse 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yes, we still need to confess our sins. God forgives us. God purifies us. He removes the sin and sees us in his Son. The blood of Christ never ceases to do its cleansing. There's power in the blood. When John says that we are to walk in the light, he doesn't say that we must be perfect. Because if you were perfect, (laughs) there wouldn't be any sin to cleanse. He doesn't mean that to walk in the light is perfection. Not at all. Proverbs 28 verse 13 says, He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Verse 9 is a point. Confess. Verse 7 is, is, is practice. Walk. Let me ask you to just go a little bit ahead in our study and look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 8. 
On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. My point is the darkness is passing away. Whenever men or women receive the light of the gospel, the darkness has not all vanished because many have not come to Christ, but Christ, the true light, continues and he is shining. Let me now just talk to you for a second. There is still light coming from Christ to save you. To save and to take away, to save you and that by taking away the sin in your life that separated you from the Father. And I want to know why you come here to fellowship and have not decided to ask Jesus to be your Savior. Why haven't you asked Jesus to forgive your sins? We we preach from the pulpit. We share from God's Word every Sunday, every time we gather together about the truth of what, how sin separates you from God and it will eternally, except if you accept the light that He has given to you in Jesus His Son. If that's the case in your life, and I have to ask, why are you here? I'm thankful you are. But we need you to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. I pray that everybody here knows Jesus as their Savior. Verse 9, if we confess our sins... If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and really cleanse us from all the darkness that permeates us in this dark world of sin. When we contemplate contemplate the, the events of the world today, right now, today, you can think of a lot of words. I wrote down a few to say publicly. Lawlessness, stealing, killing, and aborting babies. Parents supporting children who want to be transgender. Same-sex marriages. You know the evil people and the behavior of people all over our society. The darkness seems to be getting darker and darker and darker very fast. Two weeks ago, I was listening to a radio talk show host interviewing Dennis Prager, who was also a talk show host. (laughs) The two were discussing the state of our society and how quickly the darkness of sinful behavior has become the norm. Mr. Prager said, I don't have it quoted precisely, but what I recall from the radio program He said, what used to be dark behavior has turned to light. What used to be dark behavior has turned to light itself today. 
the dark behavior has become light and lawlessness is done in broad daylight. It's in your face. It is no longer in the darkness of night. It is lawlessness and sin. And the norm of the world today is in your face. His claim is that there is no more darkness. It's all light. Sean wrote, Sean read something this morning at the Lord's Supper from Psalm 139. Verse 11 was included. And I'll read that and say it out loud. If I say surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to thee and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and the light are alike to thee, dear God. But even if I say surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night. It's that same thought. This is nothing new under the sun. The darkness and terribleness of the norm of our society in this world today. And we think the spiral is going faster and faster and a downward. The Lord Jesus is coming. Yes, but they thought that in his psalm this day as well. But we Christians are called to walk as children of the light. If that's the case today, I mean, how dark it is, if there's no darkness anymore, it's all become light, you make up your own mind as to the thoughts of what's happening. But let me take a phrase that I've shared from here before from my son. In light, in our conversation, talking about the evils of the day and things happening in the elementary schools, and in all workplaces and everything. But my son said to me, Dad, there is no better time to be a Christian. There is no better time to be a Christian <laughs> because we walk in the light. Our responsibility is to reflect Jesus. He walked in the darkness of the day and he was light. Folks, there's no better time for us than to be a light for God in this dark world. We need to sing things better. We need to remind ourselves of who we are and who we live for. We sometimes sing a song to our kids. I want you to sing it with me if you can right now. Stand up and sing. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Coming up the wind all around our city here. I'm going to let it shine. All around our city here. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Even in my neighborhood, I'm gonna let it shine. Even in my neighborhood, Lord, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Don't let Satan blow it out. I'm gonna let it shine. Don't let Satan blow.
Father, we thank you for the opportunity to open up the word. Let the Holy Spirit, Lord, let the Holy Spirit teach us and guide us to walk in the light of Christ. I thank you for John's grandpa age, teaching the young children of the who are newly born again and older ones as well, but you are teaching us as a family of God to walk in the light. Lord, thank you for the word that you have given to us that we can open on our laps and be exposed by the Holy Spirit teaching us your will. We pray that you will continue to guide us. Help us be light in this dark world, I pray. Help us be faithful to the testimony that you have allowed us to have and to share with an eternal with eternal life before us, we thank you, dear God, for heaven. And thank you for the time on this side of glory to be a living testimony for you. Help us, I pray. It's hard. It's difficult. Lord Jesus, we need we need your word and we need your help. Thank you for the opportunity to share together as Christians in this sweet fellowship at church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.